Welcome to the Live Fit Listens podcast, a safe space of growth, personal development, and overall wellness with your host, Olivia Catania, diving into the realms of all things health, conscious living, mental expansion, and much more. This podcast is designed to help you evolve into your best self and live fit. Let's get into the show. Hello, you guys. What's going on? Welcome back to the Lift It Listens podcast. Today we on <laughs> bless you, mother. <laughs> okay. Well, that that just <laughs> that just ruined the surprise. I am here with a special guest. Okay, which we've only had one guest. That was perfect timing. We've only had one guest on the ep- on the podcast before, which was my brother, and now we have the mother of Lift Fit, the mother of all mothers. Anne, say hello to the people. Hello, everyone. I'm so happy to be here today. Basically, this kind of randomly came to my mind like two days ago. I was like, wait a second. I need to have my mom on the podcast because she has had such a hmm. Her life story has not been an easy one, and it's been a very wholesome one, I guess, if you will. Um, And so I feel like she's a very wise woman and has a lot to share just based on life experiences. And she just has always inspired me from day one just through her honestly just through action of what it means to be a strong woman and what it takes to be a strong woman so there's a few different themes that I kind of work through want to work through in this episode um, like such as overcoming hardships some battles with depression um, the whole just like dealing and releasing victim mentality being a strong woman like I said and you know knowing that it's never really too late to turn your life around and choose choose you so I think this is going to be a very powerful episode I know we don't have a bunch of older people listening to the podcast usually it's like 18 to 30 year olds but um you know I really think that her story is a really inspiring one and I think I think and I hope that it will help some of you and you know some of you will resonate whether it's you from the daughter perspective seeing you know a mirror in your own mother or vice versa however it shows up for you but I'm really excited to have her here today and I'm excited to get into some some deep conversations here that I think will be serve a great purpose. So as always, we're going to start off the episode with a piece of gratitude. And I told my mom that she's going to have to have something that she's grateful for today. And when she showed up today, I said, okay, did you think of what you're grateful for? And she said, uh, what? And I said, clearly you didn't do your homework. So she had time to think of something, but for me, this is cliche, but I'm just thankful for my mom because She recently moved out here, which I think you guys were aware of. I told you guys that um, when she first moved back um, when she moved here back in the spring and it just has been really lovely to like have her be in my immediate life again as opposed to like in previous years we've had to kind of work a little harder to see each other and be in the same area and stuff so I've we've been besties this summer and we see each other often now and it's just been doing wonders for our relationship. So I have many things that I'm grateful for, and I always find these questions hard to answer because I just don't have just one thing. But I suppose the the driving force of one of the driving forces is just the opportunity, my job opportunity that I um, was offered to come out here. I'm a registered nurse, and um, that my capability of um being a nurse, being a professional and being able to really get a job anywhere in the United States was the biggest part of um, what finally dawned on me to say, yep, you can go out there and you can get a job and afford yourself. And um, that's 
that's the biggest, one of the biggest things along with the housing opportunity that came up for me, which was um, just a really sweet, it's a really sweet spot. It's close to where the kids are and um, the whole thing has just been a really, a really great package so far. Lovely. So now if you're watching on YouTube, you can see that I'm literally holding an Apple uh, headphone microphone in my hand for the other mic. I don't have two microphones, so we're kind of jimmy rigging this right now. And I literally found this like in the crusty freaking middle console of the car that we have here. It was the only one that I could find that has like an Apple mic on it that still has the other end that goes into a computer. So I'm hoping that the audio is okay. It's not super poppy, but I have my mom with the good mic because I'm assuming she's going to be talking most often. So here we go. <laughs> uh, but so first, I kind of wanted to start off back um, in my mom's childhood and kind of her upbringing because that is kind of, like I said, she kind of has had an interesting, I want to say challenging life, not in like a pessimistic way, but just kind of in a realistic way. And it just, it, it started even back day one from in her childhood, which I think has been some of her, you know, it's everyone's forming years. So I think it obviously has had a really huge impact on her. Um, she was the oldest of six kids, which in, well, oldest female of six kids. And then she dealt with some struggles with her brother. If you want to speak about that just briefly, just so they kind of have a little bit of, of background of what that means. First of all, Liv told me about this, um, podcast yesterday. She goes, mom, I think this is a great idea for you to come on and <laughs> do this podcast. It and I'm like, on me. Okay, well, I have to like re you know think about all these things. I usually need a lot of time to think about things, so that's where I get it from. It's a little bit of last minute for me to talk about all of this stuff. I just wanted to preface the this whole podcast on that. Um, anyways, I am one of six children. I'm the second child, but the oldest female, and just. I had my older brother who was a year older than me was um, very sick as a child and uh, got even sicker in like ninth grade with a with a form of cancer that um, didn't have a good prognosis. And so um, I became sort of like the next child down to be a caretaker for the rest of the family. I was like nine years old when it all started. So um, my responsibility at home was a big one to help my mom. And this was in the 60s, early seven. Well, actually early 70s, probably by the time he was really sick. And the times were different. You know, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have computers. We didn't have any of these conveniences that we have today. And then I, there's the, the last child of the family is a girl and she was nine years younger than the fifth child. So she was like an infant when I was nine and I had to take care of her, um, quite a bit. I mean, I re I just remember a lot of, um, we had cloth diapers back then, soaking them in, soaking them in the pail, dunking them in the toilet doing a lot of laundry, those types of things at nine years old. I don't know what, how extensive you want me to. No, that, that was perfect. You know. I just, yeah, whatever kind of briefing you wanted to give. I just wanted to touch on this because I think it's super interesting. Just obviously a big topic that we speak on here is just regulating emotion and like dealing with trauma and dealing with hardship and 
having that be something that you dealt with at nine years old, like is something that is, is not an easy thing. And again, I don't mean to start off this episode on such like a heavy note. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I do think there's a lot to learn here and a lot of sustenance here to really take away from. And I guess what I wanted to ask you specifically with that whole situation, because like you said, times were different. Like it wasn't about kind of how did you feel like with your independent self? Like how do you feel with your emotions? Like at that point in time, it was very much so like kind of and go help take care of the family. And so I just was kind of wondering like how were you taught to deal with emotions and how did your family deal with, you know, like that hardship of having that stress of a sick brother and like just just the emotional, I guess, tension within the family and you as a, you know, kind of solo nine-year-old trying to navigate through it. Do you have Mm -hmm. any memory of how you were ever taught to deal with it emotionally? back then, we didn't really talk about how you felt. We didn't talk about your emotions. We didn't talk about like, oh, what would, you know, what would you rather be doing today? (laughs) Because it was very much, I, I, grew up in in an Italian-American family, um, and we functioned as a unit, and I was one of six children. I was not, and I I didn't, I remember never really feeling like I was an individual, so to speak, even though I was, but my mentality or my mindset was just that I had all these things to do to help my mom take care of the family, and I became very task-oriented, so you know, um, I went to school and everything, but I didn't, I wasn't able like to do after school activities like, like you all kids grew up, grew grew up doing. And, um, you know, I had to just get home and help take care of my sister. I remember my aunt, my aunts would come, my grandmother would come and stay with us for a week or two because my brother was in Rochester hospital um, for a very long time after a very serious surgery. And so I just, I never, it never really was about what I, what I wanted to do or how I really felt. It was more like, what did I have to do for the family and who did I have to take care of? Who did, you know, how much laundry I had to get done that day? Um, and in doing that, in being that way, I just never really learned how to self, um, like self help myself or self soothe myself or self, um, just find time for self because I was, I just, I got so caught up in the tasks of the day and my homework and going to school and, and things like that. And it was kind of isolating too, because my parents, especially my dad was, he would say that, you know, to never really speak about this problem. Don't talk Mm. about it. It's just a family issue and we don't want anyone knowing our business type of thing. So I didn't know who to talk to. I couldn't really have friends to talk to. I just was very inner. I was just very inner and very private and never learned to speak up. I never learned to say what I needed, say what I wanted, say what I was bothering me because it really didn't matter because nothing was going to change, you know. So, um, and every child in the family got affected by this sickness in a different way. And if you talk to each of my siblings, they because they were all in a different, um, they were in a different, born in a different year and things were changing, their perception of everything was different. But what I'm trying to say is my, I was the next 
child down when everything so I was the oldest mm-hmm. when everything really got really bad and so that it just affected me differently than the rest of the children right because her oldest brother was the one the oldest child of all was the one that was sick in case that wasn't clear mm-hmm. and so she was the second one down and so she had to take on all that responsibility which 100 percent would impact everyone else differently you know what i mean when everyone mm-hmm. is di- kind of i mean us kids resonate with that with how the divorce you know impacted us it's kind of that same sense yeah. but i think that I think you hit everything that I was hoping you would hit, like the nail on the head there. And I think this was why I wanted to have her on so much because, you know, I speak about people who are more so my age and my generation with regulating emotion and how usually some of that conflict comes from, you know, or that emotional dysregulation sometimes comes from like your parents, but that's because they were doing the best with what they were taught. Mm-hmm. And I've, well, that's like one of the things that I preach on here is like, this is never something to, you know, I help people become aware of like where maybe their, you know, self-limiting beliefs may be coming from what their parents told them. Right. But I'm, my point was like, that's not something to ever resent your parents for because they were doing the best with what they learned as when they were a kid. And so this is a perfect example of what I mean, that the times were just different. The generations were just different. It wasn't priority to have your parents come ask each individual kid, how are you feeling today? Did you regulate your emotions? Do you feel empowered? What's going on in school? It was all about a whole family union, especially more so when the individual cultures were a little bit more you know, highlighted back, you know, back in that time of like kind of the Italian culture, right, of it being a very unified household where I feel like that isn't as prominent here in the U.S. a little bit, I want to say today. And the other thing, the other point that I thought you brought up about how your dad was like, he kind of keep this hush hush. That's another huge thing that people always need to work on even today of like dealing with kind of what that outside image is of that concept of like keeping up with the Joneses. Like no one really wants to own up the fact of like, yeah, our life really isn't perfect or our family is struggling. And, you know, it's an it's important. All of that is what I talk about on here is like kind of the ego, right, of feeling like you can't that vulnerability or like saying that you're imperfect, that's something that damages your ego as a family unit. Um, But it's important to open up to that and like allow the family unit to feel vulnerable, if you will, to teach your children that it's okay to be vulnerable and authentic and not need to put on a front in order to be accepted by society. Right. I feel like that narrative that happened back then of like, parents trying to put walls up and be like, no, our, our family is perfect. Like that's end up manifesting in the children's lives of making them feel like they need to put up a front all the time of saying like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. Because they're taught that if you express that something is not okay, or if you're authentic and say, actually I am upset or X, Y, Z, then they're taught that their authenticity isn't accepted. Cause that's what you were taught growing up, which I just find very interesting. Well, that's right. I mean, that, that's one way to put it, but the, the greater impact of that also was that because we were told not to speak of it, eventually just everyone just stopped asking and nobody nobody would ever ask. So there was never, you, you know, there was a lot of feelings of isolation and not even like an older uh, mentor to go to or a teacher or because, you know, like... I was in the grade down from my older brother and I, we all knew the same teachers, my brother and I, and, um, you know, they, they're just, it just was a hush subject. Nobody talked about it. I was like, Oh, there, there's, there's the Fiorentino girl, you know, she's, they have a sick boy. We don't talk about it kind of thing, you know? And so, and a lot of that stemmed from 
my father would say that you can't trust anybody because that was like the old thinking of the Italians. Don't trust anybody. You never it's know what true, they're going though. to, you know, nobody is a good person and they're, you know, they're, you can't trust anyone. So that affected me as far as in a lot of ways, just growing up, let's just don't speak your mind, keep to yourself, you know, put your head down, do your work and doesn't, and just get done what needs to get done during the day. And, um, I don't know. So it manifests a lot in different ways. And again, each of my siblings can tell you how it affected them. Um, and it's, it's ironic that I became a nurse because of all the caring that I had to do for my, my, my siblings and my family and my brother, um, I became a nurse and one of my sisters became a teacher because she used to soothe herself by reading and she would just find herself in novels and books and she became an English teacher. So it's just funny how it uh, how it affects everyone and how everyone kind of ended up, everyone turned out, you know. Right. And do you feel like just kind of that whole situation, like with your brother and with your dad, like do you think that later on that that was something you had to work through was like learning how to properly and openly and unapologetically like express your emotions and like your struggles. Like, was that ever hard for you later in life to open up about things? Emotionally? Yeah, it did. It took decades. <laughs> it took decades. And it was after, um, it wasn't really until maybe five years ago <laughs> right? That's that I've insane. been able to, put all this stuff in order and figure out what went on. And it took me almost my whole life to figure out um, why, you know, why some of like, just why I am the way I am and how I got this way. But at the same time, two things. I mean, I didn't know any, I didn't know any different. It was my childhood. And I just didn't know that, we just didn't compare ourselves to other families. We were just so busy in our own cocoon that I just didn't really think there was much of a different way to live or even be. And um, now that I'm, it's decades later, which sounds so sad, but better late than never, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that... Um, I was able to put all those emotions into some kind of a category and be like, you know, there is a different way to live. There, There's just another, uh, there's another way out there. Like this is what happened and that was, it's the past, but you have choice to move forward type of thing. Right. No, I think that's very real and true. You know, again, specifically for your like generation and how you say, you know, like it took you decades to realize some of these things. It's like, I know it's something to kind of, it sounds depressing a little bit like you said it sounds discouraging but it's like you just didn't you just didn't know like like I said just like the times were different like it wasn't I feel like just now in the age of like social media and all this stuff and just even I don't know it's just way more highlighted of of paying attention to emotional intelligence emotional awareness of mm -hmm. yourself and just how you said figuring out why you are the way you are that wasn't a highlighted like you know thing that people taught to we like just, go pursue. it wasn't talked about we, we just was. didn't know and then you know education was always stressed in my family and all of my I will say all of my siblings are highly educated and you know very successful in their lives which 
was another, you know, that was something that my father instilled in us because he um, had a master's degree and he was an engineer. And um, so, you know, that message, even my brother who was sick, he, he ended up getting a master's degree and was very successful in his life. And he got married and had a beautiful, had a beautiful wife and um, a good, a good life that he, once he finally got over the cancer with all of the, um, the treatments that he had and stuff, he, um, continued and went on, finished high school, went to college, went and got a master's degree. So, and got married. So, I mean, success and, and being driven and hard work and doing the right thing, all of those things were instilled in us as children as well. So it's, it's kind of, again, you know, like, if I had a little bit longer time to put words to all of the feelings and emotions that I'm trying to get across here, it, um, it, I probably could articulate a little bit better, but, um, there was a lot of good that came out of what our family went through. Definitely hard work and just being an honest person was was also something that was instilled in us as well sticking together stick to it stick to itiveness that's what my father always used to say got to have stick to itiveness you got to stick to it so not giving up just pushing through the hard times even though things were bad and he would say you get up every day and put one foot in front of the other just keep going you know so those types of things are the lessons that I learned during that those hard times of things just not seeming right and seeing my parents kind of upset all the time and my mom crying and my dad pulling away from religion and and God really and just a lot of different things that I saw that um in the long run they just kept going and they just kept loving, kept caring, kept um, keeping the family together and not giving up, you know, just loving my brother, making him comfortable, doing everything they could for him in the house. We had to turn our family room into a, into like a hospital room because he needed a a certain bed when, uh, at a certain period of his life. And, you know, I remember him coming home from chemo treatments, just being so sick. There wasn't any there wasn't any anti-emetic medication back then and he would be throwing up before he even got in the car to go to a to a um chemo treatment and lost his hair three different times i mean it it just was a lot going on and he was the focus of our family um because he was the oldest and he was our brother and son and that was what our family was made of and that's what we had to deal with and so we did so you touched on like with your father and things that he, you know, helped with your guys' family of <laughs> things that you would say. I kind of want to move on a little bit mm-hmm. to this to keep us progressing because I, and I love this and I know it sounds hard and sad right now, but mm-hmm. the reason this is why I really wanted her to share all of this because it is heart wrenching, but it's like, that's what makes her whole entire story of how she's here today that much more powerful. But so after your brother passed, mm-hmm. eventually um, your father had passed. Mm-hmm. That was that correct order. Uncle mm-hmm. Gene went first. So she had to deal with two like major losses of the two of two major men in her life, her oldest brother and her father. Um, and then 
not getting too far into it, but then also my parents' divorce had kind of happened. So there was a lot of like major tragedies that happened, like kind of within a certain stretch, you know, like within, isn't that within like a 10 year period or? I'm not even sure when it was. But just basically, I just kind of wanted my next question for you was how did you, and again, if at this moment you felt like you didn't have good coping mechanisms, like I, I just was wondering, like, how did you cope with just loss and just coping with things not going the way in life that you thought that they would turn out, I guess, if you will, especially with after your parents. I think that was also a great thing that you mentioned as well, of like how at the end of the day with your brother being sick, what was valued was, you know, just overall perseverance and to keep going. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the epitome of, you know, the background of your your character of how you kept going through all of these really majorly difficult life events. And so just what are some things that helped you to keep going? So, I mean, when I left the house, when I was, after I graduated nursing school and eventually I married, married your dad, that, that was a chaotic time frame without saying too much about that. But between having the, you know, so then I was, I had four children, Olivia being my youngest, and um, that was just a time of a lot of chaos. And again, it was really never. This might be hard to talk about. No, and this I whole know. thing it's is okay. is. I knew this was going to be heavy and deep, and I warned her about it. But I just, yeah, I admire you, and I know it's hard, and I appreciate you speaking about all this. But like, this is. I just admire all of you going through all it's of this. It's just, um, so again, I found myself in another situation where it was never about me. I'm just going to try to put it that way. I mean, there was a lot of chaos, a lot of commotion, um, and having the four kids, I, I didn't know anything else than to just care. So cooking, cleaning, groceries, you know, washing clothes, taking care of the kids, and just going and going and going, but never stopping and caring for myself, never like more, never a self-awareness. So you get into these habits or you get into these mindsets, you get into these, um, perceptions of how you think things are or should be, because that's all you, that's all you know. So that's how you move forward. And thank God I had the, the ability to, to be strong enough just to, I think routine helps a lot. Like I always was very much into fitness, so I would work out a lot as Livy probably again where I get it where you know not only her but her dad is her dad is a very fit man as well and it was just part of what we did so like eating right and exercising and taking care of the kids those were just healthy routines healthy habits that kept you going as opposed to unhealthy things to choose like getting lazy laying on the couch I don't know just not eating right letting your health go right like so I mean it's very important health is another thing if I have to backtrack one second um in my family all my siblings are relatively pretty healthy and fit people and I think that that my brother's sickness gave us an awareness to take care of yourself and be healthy don't let yourself go good food my mother was a huge cook she always made sure that we had really good food to eat and um she made my brother's favorite foods all the time and that's how she showed her part of the ways the way she showed her love for him um and so moving forward you know up and through my 40s 
um, things were pretty chaotic and, and, um, I wasn't stopping enough to think about myself. And that's when things started to fall apart because you just keep going. But sometimes as good as that could be, if you're not addressing other issues, then other stuff starts crumbling around you. So, um, and that's when probably like the marriage wasn't working because there was just a lot of chaotic things between your dad and I, and my brother was very sick and dying. And I was pregnant with Olivia when my brother entered into the very last phase of his life. As far as he ended his life, I mean, his life, he was on a respirator and on, um, hemodialysis, which is, he had to go three times a week. And, he only lasted a few years after Olivia was born. Um, and so that it just all was a very stressful time. And, and I, I did never have the, I never had emotional support. I never had a person I could go to, to lean on, to talk to, to just spill my soul, just like be like, just talk about what I needed to talk about and somebody to be there and say, you know what, I got this. We're doing this together. You're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. You're going to be okay. There, I just never had that person. And I didn't even know what it felt like to have that person, to be very honest with you, because I didn't have it as a kid growing up either. So then that's when things started to fall apart for me um, because I was so tired of caring for everyone and I felt that no one was caring for me or no one even cared enough for me to say hey how are you doing what's going on what do you need how can I help you you know like so um after a while that that was kind of the first awareness of how I was starting to pull away from everything and just starting to have these really difficult times. And I think to con- to turn that in that very raw like honest experience into something that's, you know, more so constructive, like I think that is a perfect example of a few things of one you know, what you're taught in childhood and the beliefs that you form in childhood and the habits you form in childhood are what are often reflected in adulthood unless you, you know, are become aware and are able to return inward and change them. Second of all, it's so important to have just emotional regulation and awareness mm-hmm. because just that, like, it, it, and it's like, that's why, again, we always preach on here, like how important it is to mm-hmm. be a strong have a strong sense of like self and coping mechanisms and just like knowing who you are and knowing when enough is enough and having some set of boundaries because that's how that's exactly what my mom just said of how like then when you don't have a strong foundation everything else ends up crumbling and I don't mean that to pass blame on anyone I'm yeah. just saying that's how it happens like then you know you struggled in your marriage and then with having all the kids to care for too. And it's like, yes, that comes from not having a supportive, you know, partner, which you don't need to get into as well. But, you know, also like doing what you can to like take the time to fill up your own cup. And like, this is something for me, again, I know there's a lot of like younger women that watch this podcast. And like, I'm someone who really wants to be a mom one day. And if you're someone who's listening, like, I think this is just a perfect, a really good lesson for everyone here of like how important it is to still always prioritize yourself and have, you know, emotional awareness and intelligence within yourself and know just what I'm saying, what your boundaries are, that you need to fill up your own cup as well so that you can still continue and be a good nurturer to your family, to your husband or whoever in your Mm -hmm. family, because you're also nurturing yourself. 
it's it's like the it's like the airline um yeah, scenario <laughs> yeah when they say put your mask on put first. the mask on <laughs> first for the mom first so that you could take care of the child okay like that's exactly kind of what I'm talking about. Like, I wasn't putting my mask on first. I, I didn't have any oxygen, yet I was running around trying to take care of everything and do everything and jump through all these hoops and make everybody happy. Because that's, that's what it was. That's how I learned how to live. And, right. and I actually liked, I like caring for people. It's why I'm a nurse, but I kind of was doing it backwards. <laughs> so I would give advice to your young girls out there um, to really... Like Olivia said, you know, self-awareness, self-care is extremely important and your intuition. I never learned how to listen to myself. I never listened to my gut, my gut feeling of things that I believed in that I should have spoke up about. Never did it. I felt it, but I was like, "Mm, not going to say anything because I was taught not to don't don't give your opinion. Don't speak. Part of it's because I grew up in an Italian family and the women were kind of like not the ones that were listened to. It was the men and we, there was three boys and three girls and my dad. So, and that's kind of what happened through my first marriage there. I didn't have a voice in my marriage as well. And it just kept perpetuating and getting worse. So find yourself, find who you are and, and just honor yourself because if you don't do that, Nothing else is going to work. You know, be your best self, be who you can be and be proud of yourself. And if you have things that you want to work on because you don't like something about yourself, then change it if you can, whether it's you working on behavioral mechanisms like behavioral, you want to, you want to maybe not be such a, I don't know, um, self-awareness can, can then just bring about change, right? So you're the only one that's in control of that. It isn't anyone else that's going to be outwardly coming to you and making you change. It has to come from within you. So if you want to be, if you say, oh, I wish this, or I wish I could, or I wish, well, then do it. Make the time to work on it day to day, whether you do your affirmations, whether you just work on it little by little, 10 minutes a day, make yourself who you want to be because that's what life is all about, you know? Right. I think that's so important. And I think that's also a beautiful um, transition because I know also another thing that a ton of people struggle with, which we talk about on this podcast a lot, is the whole victim mentality of saying, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, and you could have easily taken this view of like, oh, all this happened to me. Like, that's that. Like, this sucks, whatever. Or like, oh, I'm just, it's just the way that I am. I can't change it. Or I wish my life was like this, but I just can't. You know, that was something that you've completely turned around as well yourself of like, of just dropping that victim mentality and knowing that you have the power to be the person you want to be. You have the power to live the life that you want to live. And I guess, did you have anything to say about when, when you kind of realized or had that epiphany of like, you actually do have that power? Well, first of all, I felt I, I had that victim mentality and didn't really know how much it was obvious until Natalie said something to me. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie's her oldest, the oldest daughter. Natalie will let it out the way it is, okay? And and I was really pissed when she told me that. And she was mad at me and we were kind of having a I, spit spat. And I was like, how dare she tell me that? And I'm like, mm. But I, you were like, I'm not being the victim, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then I thought about, you know, because sometimes you need you need a person like that or whether it's, you know, a friend or whomever to to reflect your inner inner soul back at you because you cannot you don't know anything different and you don't really I didn't realize that I was portraying that or I didn't even really have a name for it until she said something and this wasn't very long ago but I will say in my defense that probably the reason why I got that way is because I truly felt through the chaos and scrapping in my life without the oxygen mask on and trying to help everyone else and never feeling like anything was coming back to me I guess I felt like a victim um, at times when no one's reaching out a hand to me or, you know, to me saying, what do you need? What can I do for you? I, I would be like, well, what, what about me? Like, I, I got to do all this for everybody and I can't even get anyone to ask me how I'm doing or if I need anything. So that's probably how the victim mentality came about. Not, not purposefully upon myself. And this, you know, this is probably like five years ago when I really started just becoming self-aware of all of these emotions and something called radical acceptance, which, um, cause I, you know, I've had some help throughout the years here. Uh, radical acceptance is something that you see yourself for exactly how you are and you accept the things that you don't like, okay? You sit with those things, you become aware of them, and you either accept them and say, this was part of my life, and this is what made me and brought me to where I am, or at that point, you can say, I think that I've been like this, and I want to change it. And so part of that victim mentality, it made me so mad when Natalie said it that I said, well, it's bothering me for a reason because it must mm-hmm. be true. So she probably hit a chord. Thank you, Natalie. A she was a trigger. And I just thought, well, maybe I am. And I just sat with that for a while and realized that I probably do portray that in some ways subconsciously. I didn't know it. And I didn't want people to think of me that way. I'm like, how could people think of me that way? Look at all the stuff that I've done in my life. Look at all the stuff that I've done. How dare they tell me that I'm like that, you know? So um, that's when I just, it was only a few, again, five years ago that I just started changing my mentality, sitting with the things, my regrets, sitting with my, oh, I wish things were different, Sitting sitting with my life the way that it was and radically accepting it with no excuses and no no if ands or buts or no well if this if this was different then I would have been no it's that's what happened there is no excuses there are no excuses you cannot change it that is radical acceptance what are you going to do about it now and that was the start of me moving forward um and and in one and then two years, two summers ago, or was it last July, I decided to get baptized. I, I know I was born Roman Catholic, raised Roman Catholic, but somewhere in the middle of my divorce from Olivia's dad, I kind of turned to Christianity just um to get away from the Roman Catholic religion, like the rigidity of religion. Anyways, it took me many years to realize um so in the christian faith you you 
baptize, you get baptized as an adult, which just means that um, you as an adult accept Jesus Christ as your Savior as an adult. Like, I was a baby when I got baptized. My parents had me baptized. I didn't know that that was happening, right? So now it just, as an adult, I, I give myself to the Lord again in my as my own free will. When I got baptized in July, things radically started changing in my life. That was another thing that I've always had a very strong faith in God and always through all of this, um, probably it started in my 40s when I really started working on my relationship with the Lord, which led to my baptism, which at that point, there was just a lot of radical changes that it just catapulted me through um, all this like self-awareness and that there's another life out there that you can live your best life. You can leave your past behind. It's gone. It's done. Move on and, and make good relationships. Start over. You know, it's never too late type of thing. And it's a lot of it, all of it's been through the grace of God. For, you know, he's He's given me the strength, the grace, the fortitude to, He's he's grown me. He's the one who's you know helped grown me my relationship with him and everything. It's it's just been like a big blossom. You know what I mean? Like the mm-hmm. seed went down into the earth of who I was and all of those experiences. Shout out all these little roots of whatever, and up comes the tree. And you know, I just feel like I'm blossoming more than I ever have in my whole life, and I'm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I said, it's better than better now than ever, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> which yeah, I guess so, we should have. My mom is sixty years old now at this point, and um, seems dreadful. No, but I mean, she looks stellar for sixty. But yeah, it's crazy because kind of what I was saying, like the past year and a half or so, she like completely has changed her life around, like back to all of those really hard things that she dealt with. You know, from her brother, her dad, the divorce. You know, dealing with you know unhealthy mental states with like depression and that whole sort of thing and Mm -hmm. then the whole victim mentality and like really being able to dig her way out of that within the past year and a half like she is a completely new woman to me in my opinion like the way that I see her now and the way that I've been able to experience her within the past year and a half I'm gonna cry thanks (laughs) but it's like don't cry sweetheart (laughs) I honestly knew I was gonna cry before we even started it's all right sweetheart just been amazing to see in like so many different ways you know and like just for me, like, just with the relationship of, like, just in the sense of that my mother shows up for me now, you know what I mean? And seeing it in that way. Um, <laughs> they're used to seeing me cry, so don't worry. But, um, yeah, I guess, so is that what you felt, like, was the turning point for you? Because that's something I really wanted you to speak about, of, like, when were you, like, enough is enough? Like, I, there's a life that I want to live and it's not the life that I'm currently living. Mm. And what was the turning point of you dropping that victim mentality? Like, do you feel like it was when you were baptized and you feel like you kind of surrendered and let go and like everything just kind of took its course there? Or was it more like active mindset shifts in conjunction that helped you get in this space? Well, what happened after my baptism, because that was in July and then in September of last year, September 1st, I had shoulder surgery on my left shoulder and I was out of work um, for like eight weeks. And that, I fell into a really 
black time in my life. Yeah. It was a very, very dark time. And, and, and I had, you know, although things were moving in my life, um, at the same time, I, I went into what is known as like the dark night of the soul. Um, and it was a horrible time. It, it was a culmination of everything, you know, that had gone on. And unfortunately, I was in a second marriage that I'm not proud to say has not worked out either. So that wasn't working. That's when things really started to change is when I had gone through that dark night of the soul and was at such a bottom place in my life of like, now what do I do? Like my kids were gone. My second marriage wasn't working. I was like, who do you turn to? You know, I had God and myself. And I'm like, darn, darn gone it, however they say it. Um, I'm not going to, I'm just not going to fade into the earth and be depressed and, and have this crappy life. I'm going to rise up. Just not, you're not going to give up. Yeah, just not going to give up. And it, that saying where you um, dust yourself off and start all over again, what is it? Um, I don't know. Not my generation. You stand, no. you stand yourself up, dust yourself off, and start all over again. Like I remember saying that to myself. Just You're not going to just go through this again. You're not going to go through all this stupid stuff again. Just I knew that if I could just be by myself that I would be fine and – Again, my daughter Natalie had a was a huge instrumental help in when I was going through the dark night of the soul. She brought a lot of things to my attention about my character and who I was and how I was going to live my life and she brought things again to the surface, those things that you kind of don't want to hear that made me realize that I need to change some of these things in my life in order for me to 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 keep going and I was like you have got to snap out of it this this is like you've got way too much life to live you've got all your children that need you let's just stop this nonsense and get going so to answer your question going through that dark night yeah. of the soul was the beginning you know even though it felt like the end it was the beginning right which it's such a beautiful thing. You know what I mean? Like when you feel like at your lowest lows, like that's mm-hmm. when there's, you know, you kind of need everything to crumble in order, which, you know, God was making everything crumble f- to make way for, for a, reason. a whole new thing. Mm-hmm. And in cases you haven't been able to pick up the difference, the oldest sibling, Natalie, she's like super blunt, super straightforward. Like she is confrontational. She will let you know how it is. And I'm like the complete opposite of like, I'm not really going to say that because I don't think it'll that's going to get feelings. perceived well and I don't want to deal with the backlash. So, but we need like, yes, Natalie has done such like an amazing job with the wake up call, I guess that, that everyone needs, but just really quick for people who mm-hmm. aren't aware, can you give like a quick synopsis of just what you mean by the dark night of the soul? Because I know that some people will be unfamiliar with that. Is that just like a depressive episode that you would say? I, or I think it was because I, I had a, well, not why, but like, what know. is it? Um, it's just when it's your lowest of lows, you feel like you're at, you're just dipped down into this pit and you can't, you just looking up and you don't know if you can get yourself out and you feel so hopeless. You feel so, um, I did feel victimized, even though I knew I shouldn't, I did. 
my relationship with the, my second husband, I was tired of being told nasty things. I was tired of being told I was a bad person when I knew that I wasn't. And just, I was just like, I am just so tight. I was just so tired of the way things were going in my life. I, it was like a repeat. I go, it's like the repeat button kept coming back. The repeat button, the repeat button. I'm like, am I making these things is it my attitude that's making this cycle of life come back around to me? Which that's what we always talk about as well, like the energy that you're embodying and like mm-hmm. you are a reflection of, now I wish I saw something on TikTok and I, of course I don't remember what it said, but like in one way or another, like we are, our lives and our what we're experiencing and our reality like is a reflection of our of our trauma, whether mm-hmm. healed or unhealed. And it's like, that's, just, you know what I mean? Like if you have certain viewpoints that you have adopted about yourself about the the love that you think that you deserve to receive mm-hmm. or how you deserve to be treated by a partner like all of those things that's what you're going to continue to experience and it's crazy because how you say you feel like it was like a repeat button and that was before you had like healed a lot of the things that you were struggling with so it makes sense that you were kind of experiencing the similar instances in different fonts until you know now at where you are now at this point in your life when you have healed so much you've evolved so much as a human you've changed so many narratives and rewritten so many of your stories for yourself now think about the the experiences that you have with other people the people that you have in your life how people view you right like Mm -hmm. how how you know all the praises you've been getting from work all the really kind friends you have here like it's Mm -hmm. it's amazing compared to what her life was back home and that's why like I know you guys aren't going to fully be able to truly understand what I mean when I say she has turned her life around in the past year and a half but like it is almost night and day from you know, where she was to what she's experiencing now, which is is crazy. Um, And a question I had for you again is like, what are some things that brought you, because my mom had to leave everything from home. She had to drop everything, walk away from pretty much everything. And she's lived there in our hometown for like, since I was born, her whole life was there for the most part. Yeah. Her Mm -hmm. whole family is in central New York as well. So what were some things, I guess, that you spoke about your mindset shift that kind of brought you to this revelation of saying that things needed to change. It's still a scary transition to have to go through. So what were some things that brought you comfort in times of such a major transition? And and what would advice would you have for some people who are, are scared to leave everything behind and like choose a life that they, that they really actually want for themselves? Well, At mom's faces this whole time I speak. She's like, <laughs> she's like pouring her eyebrows. She's like, what is this girl about to say? I'm over here like nodding, encouraging you when I speak. Mom's like, huh? Oh, I got to think about this. Okay. So <laughs> I guess number one, what are some things that brought you comfort in the time of such major transition? Well, I lived my entire life in central New York. Okay. And, and when I came here in April, I, I literally packed up my Subaru Whatever I could fit in my Subaru was per- pretty much my clothes and my my hair product. <laughs> <laughs> You're done. Like, um, anyways, and just took me two and a half days to drive out here. So that being said, I left like a beautiful four bedroom home that was sitting on an acre of property. I mean, I've always been a homeowner, and everything that was inside of it, all my favorite furniture, like just all my stuff. It was my. It was. It was a really nice home. And I literally got in the car within my Subaru and drove out here. I guess it was to, I was to the point where I said, I just am not going to stand another second of this life here 
and I wanted to start new. I wanted to be near my children. What That's what comforted me. The second thing that comforted me was that I knew Park City because I we had been coming out here for 20 years. You know, when I, when I was with their dad and stuff, taking the kids out here skiing, so I knew the town, I knew the area. I knew that the sun sh- was shining out here all the time, and that was a comfort to me, literally. Like, the sun has a really big healing property to it and it's a big deal for me in my life and same yeah it's true and um the fact that I was able to get a a full-time job as a nurse and make decent money I knew that I was able to going to be able to support myself I didn't need anyone that was a comfort so you were focusing more so on because I feel like when people have like such major transitions like I know again since I know our demographic is more younger women like that they feel like oh, I'm moving to a new city for a new job it's like instead of it sounds like you weren't focusing on all the things you were leaving behind and all the things you were separating from you were more so focused on the new life that it was waiting for you on the other side and all like the blessings and and the hope and potential that was waiting exactly. for you there. But to close out this this portion, do, do you have like a quick piece of advice that you could share with these young gals watching who are scared to like leave everything behind being from where you are now on the other side of it? What would you tell someone like if I had to go leave, do something drastic, change my life, you being on the other side of it, what advice would you have? I would say to trust Trust yourself, trust your intuition, be confident in yourself, know that, know that you know the right thing and know that you're doing the right thing. If you know yourself well enough, you can go anywhere with yourself. Just know that if you're taking the leap of faith, it's for a reason. And my mom did it. And yeah. she's the happiest she's ever been in years and years and years and years. And mm-hmm. she wakes up every day and she's like, damn, the sun be shining again, though. <laughs> and she's happy. So I know it sounds scary. It seems scary to take the leap and like drop everything and choose yourself. But you're going to be so happy that you did. And I promise you're going to feel good about it. And you're going to feel liberated. But so for the last little portion of the podcast, Epi, because we've been going for a while now, I want to briefly kind of touch on just like mother-daughter relationships as well because I think that I just figured that would be something interesting to speak about because my mom and I feel like we've always had like a solid relationship, but we definitely have gone through difficult periods of our relationship. But I think that just was mostly due to just the overall like broken home dynamic. It was nothing really Mm -hmm. ever like personal between like her and I that like I did something or she did something directly to me. It just was, you know, with the broken home and the divorced parents, like there just was a lot of moving parts. So there definitely were times where we were closer and we more resonated with one another. And there were other times where we, we didn't really click and we, we weren't really seeing eye to eye. And so I want us both to answer this question. So I'll answer it after. But I just was wondering like what you think was kind of the biggest thing that helped us come back together and be more aligned than ever. Pop quiz. (laughs) I'll go first if you want. (laughs) This whole thing is a pop quiz. What are you talking about? This is also like I'm trying to test and like do interviews but I'm also like am I supposed to like send the like my outline to the guests? Like should I have sent you this outline? Like I don't but I want it to be like candid and authentic. Like I don't want someone to like have time to be like oh so yeah, it is on the fly. You know, there is a little piece I have to go backwards in this is that I I always felt that I could have been a better mother because of, you know, looking back at everything that went on, I wasn't, because I wasn't my best self and I wasn't, I didn't feel that I was my uh, the best mother that I could have been because I have like these, you know, things in my head that 
these ideas in my head of always the mother, the kind of mother that I wanted to be. And I feel like I fell short on some of those things, which have been one of the regrets that I had to like, just let go and move forward with it. So I don't, you know, I feel like I probably wasn't always available emotion. I wasn't emotionally available to all the children and in all their different times of their lives. There was just, I just wasn't because I just wasn't like there, you know? So probably I kind of forgot the question. I'm supposed to answer. <laughs> I was wondering where she was going with that too. I was like waiting for the circle to come back around. I was like, is we going to land? It was, what do you think was the biggest thing that helped us like come back together and like get along so well like we do now? Like, what do you think changed that helped us strengthen our relationship again? Oh, so the, um, it was... <laughs> I was like, oh, you Oh, wait, I got that answer. Um, oh it was God. part of the awareness stuff. The part yeah. of the awareness of like, okay, what is it? How do you want to move forward in your life? What do you want to do? I want to be a better mother. I want to be more present. I want to be more involved. I want to have an adult relationship with my children. These were like all the things that, you know, when you write them down or you think about how you want to move forward. So that is what changed with me. And I probably before I even came out here, I started just like texting Liv and each of the children, just telling them how much I love them. I miss you. I wish, you know, like just being more verbal and more present. Have a good day. I'm thinking of you. Um, good luck with your such and such, whatever's going on today. Just trying to be more present and more available to the children, letting them know I'm always thinking about them is how I kind of started it. And then just being out here is just checking in every day and seeing if you need anything, you want to come over to eat, like whatever. Yeah, no, we hang out. <laughs> we have Sunday dinners. That's on. We hike. We hike. We go into Maine. We get lunch. Maine is Main Street. We'll I want her to around. start we'll biking, but she doesn't want to bike. No, because I went through a phase of road biking in 2020. I did it for eight weeks. So it's not even like I tried. I Natalie laughed when I said that, but I don't mean like I tried it once. And I didn't like it. I tried to stick with it for eight weeks and there was way too much going on. Way too much mental <laughs> stimulus. Like when I work out at the end, I'm like, okay, I feel like a mental release. After that, I was like, <gasps> like I felt like I just got back from like a war battle. Just like I with know, all, all the, the traffic cars and cars, and the, the, like I, there's no, you're not listening to music. You can't, it's not like meditative. I don't know. For me, what I think helped us again, I'm just sharing this because again, just to help you gals out there strengthen your relationship with your mother. I feel like what helped, in my opinion, what helped us was just kind of what you were saying. Like our overall, like personal growth was the overall like umbrella fix. I feel like we grew as people that allowed us to, you know, own up to our weaknesses, like our weak points and heal like the lower spaces that we were acting from, if you will. Mm -hmm. And it allowed us to also, I think a big thing again for me was like understanding, well, for both of us, I think understanding each other and having more compassion for each other of like why we were the way we were, why things went down the way they did. Like, I just think having more understanding compassion, I feel like allowed us to see more eye to eye and like, forgive and move on from the past like kind of how you're saying but I truly just think overall the personal growth which is why to circle back and really bring all this home I'm so passionate on like just having a strong sense of self and developing who you are because everyone thinks that's like a selfish thing to like pour into yourself and have all this self-care and do these things to regulate your you know emotional intelligence and all those things but it's honestly one of the most least selfish things you can do because it allows you to show up better in your relationships and have deeper and connections and you can only 
there was also a quote that was like, you can only meet people as deep as you've been able to meet yourself. And it's so true. It's like, if you're, you know what I mean? If you're out of touch with yourself, out of touch with your emotions, if you don't know what you need to make yourself feel better, how's anyone else supposed to know what you, what you need? And how are you supposed to connect with people on that deep level? If you don't even know the depths of yourself, you know? So I think just, you know, I think also that compassion and understanding for one another was a, was a really big thing for us. And I've, I've truly, I've felt a shift with, Again, I think it's also just because I'm older now at this point, like I'm in my young 20s, which I feel like is when the mother-daughter dynamic would maybe change. But I definitely see us have more of like a friendship dynamic now than ever before. And I know some people don't always think that that's like a constructive dynamic. But for me, I feel like it's been the best thing for us. And I still see you as like a higher figure and someone who I respect and like who is a mentor for me. But I having that friendship component... I don't know, has made our relationship be way more free-flowing, in my opinion. Yeah, because we just hang, you know, girl. Yeah, you know, though. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a big believer, like, having your parents still be a friend while also still being a mentor and, like, a respectable figure, I think – I don't know. I think it's like a very powerful place to be in. But yeah, I just wanted to say thank you so much, Mother, for being on the podcast. I love having you here. I know we talked about some deep, heavy – trauma written things that was you were so brave and courageous and it's admirable of you to open up about all those things i really appreciate it um and you know i think this was just a great episode to stand for just overall how to be a strong woman how to overcome hardships you know how to know that it's never too late to choose yourself and to choose a life that you love if you don't ever need to accept the circumstance you're in because you think it's too late my mom at the age of around 60 completely changed her life and life left everything behind to live a life that she she loves and a life that she's proud of um and i just i was always really proud of her when she was telling me about that shift because It just really taught me to never give up and that it's never too late and that you don't ever need to give up until the buzzer goes off. So, again, thank you, Mother, for being here. You're welcome. And for us. Thank you for having me, Livy. And for as we close, we're each going to share an affy, a little affirmation. So if you have one, you can share it. You better go first. Okay, I'm going to go first. (laughs) So the affirmation that I have that I thought would resonate with this overall episode theme. Is I am strong enough to overcome and choose myself. I am strong enough to overcome and choose myself. It can be anything. It doesn't have to apply to the episode. Like what's an affirmation that resonates with you? One that gets you going. I am strong. I am important. I am abundant. I am respected. So she's going to list four for everyone. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Amen. All right. <laughs> All right. That's it, you guys. Thank you guys so, so much for listening or watching this podcast episode. I really appreciate it. I'm happy you guys are really able to experience my mother in depth because I feel like I speak about her here and there, but we haven't like done a full reveal. So here she so is. here I is. We're twins. Um, if you did enjoy this podcast and you want to leave a review or a rating, I'd really appreciate that it helps this podcast reach more people and impact more lives, which is always the goal. And if you want to screenshot this, put it on your Instagram story. Let the world know that Lift It Listens is having another freaking guest on her podcast which is revolutionary do it up also if you want me to be having more guests then make sure you leave a rating and review so i know that you guys are vibing but anyways i love you guys so so much i'm wishing you guys a really good rest of your week sending you so much love and hopefully i'll see you in the next one peace out